Hey everyone, uh, it's Friday, very sunny day out today, and I'm super excited to have David Tipton from Ocean's Learning Partnership here today. Hey guys. Also excited to have this cool new Rep the Rock hat, loving the color. Almost wish it was green for St. Patrick's Day, but the purple is uh, pretty nice. So today we're going to be chatting about oceans, sciences, and all of the above. So feel free to ask us your questions if you're following along. And I guess we will get started. So, if you want to tell us, I guess, first a little bit about you and uh, what Oceans Learning Partnership does. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you the uh, the 45-minute elevator, <laughs> elevator speech that is Oceans Learning Partnership. <laughs> Must be a lot of floors. You're going like top of Marina Bay Sands. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a very tall building to get through that one. But uh, essentially, Oceans Learning Partnership's been around for uh, about five years and uh, came about to address the, the gap in ocean science uh, Education in K to twelve. So what uh, you know, what we were finding out was that uh, when certainly when I went through school and uh, maybe when Chelsea went through school as well, uh, when we learned about the environment, it was never about uh, the ocean outside of our backyards. Yeah. It was always about the savanna or about the boreal <laughs> forest. Uh, it was never about uh, about what we were seeing uh, right out our, right out our front doors. Uh, essentially, so uh, it's a partnership that was brought together and includes the Department of Fisheries and Oceans Canada, yeah. uh, Parks Canada, Memorial University, and a number of educational partners, including the NLESD. And uh, the big part of that uh, is it is a partnership. Uh, yeah. So we have field sites, including the Mon Ocean Science Center, Geo Center, mm -hmm. Uh, Manuel's River, uh, Terranova National Park certainly is uh, a, a great partner site, Bon Bay Marine Station, and we have just started uh, programming in the Costa Bays area in the Bay Despair uh, Conagra Peninsula and focus on experiential learning. So oh, I think that's a huge thing. That's a yeah. <laughs> so so hands on getting kids in boats. Mm -hmm. uh, with getting kids face to face and teachers uh, face to face with scientists uh, and using lab based and shore based uh, programming as well, but really like pulling them out of the classroom and mm -hmm. getting their little hands wet. Their little hands. Yeah. That's so I funny. told you it was 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're at 45 yet. Uh, I know that's so cool because like growing up, you hear like so many kids are like, I want to be a marine biologist. But then they just yep. don't really have any idea of like what exactly that entails. And yeah. I feel like a lot of them think that that means that you know they're training the whales <laughs> to yep. uh, jump through hoops. But really, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. So you know, trying to clarify, you know, you know, if you want to be that marine mm -hmm. biologist, if you want to be the, you know, I'm on the boat in the <laughs> waves looking at the right whales, yeah. uh, marine biologist. What's the path to that career? Yeah. Uh, but also opening the door to all of the other oceans careers, mm -hmm. whether they're biology based. Uh, whether they're technology-based, we have some of the uh, the highest uh, end companies in the world in oceans technology uh, here in Newfoundland, uh, doing some of the best uh, best research in the world, the best facilities in the world. I think the uh, Marine right Institute, their uh, their boat, the simulator boat. I think that's like yep. almost like one of the one of a kind in the world. I think there's a lot of people from. All over the world to come to use that. Yeah, they have a great uh, a great simulator system that uh, they use both for education and also for for industry professionals uh, coming in to, to test things out uh, at their facilities. Uh, some great work being done uh, at the Ocean Science Center uh, as well, sort of on the, on the biology side of things, and like local tech companies making like the best underwater <laughs> cameras in the yep. world, like out of Clarenceville. Wow! Right? Yeah, I just saw one. So. Um, 
there's a new this isn't like completely uh more ocean related but the titanic expedition they're like doing this thing but it's like outrageously expensive like i think it's like a hundred thousand dollars or something crazy but so there's uh there's a group coming in i I think they're uh, based out of seattle okay uh called oceans gate yep uh and they're coming in and doing a uh, 4k recording of the of the titanic Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the guy Subsea Imaging, I, I believe, are sort of involved in that uh, in that project as well. They're the guys with the, the cameras. So uh, we were finally going to figure out, you know, whether Jack was actually on the Titanic. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I, I'd like to find uh, I'd like to find that big blue uh, necklace. That yeah. would be wonderful. It'd what be... is it? The heart of the o- ocean's heart, or You've watched mind. Titanic in, in recent history. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't I'm, watched I'm it going, actually in like 10 years I'm going all, back to, years. all the way back to like 98 or 97. That's what, or that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I watched it like when it came out. I mean, I had it on VHS all 27 hours of it, but I can't remember. Sapphire of the Sea? Anyway, I went to the Titanic Museum in Belfast before. That oh, was pretty wonderful. awesome. There's also a, uh, a great uh, exhibit at the Geo Center yes, uh, I saw on the that. Titanic, and they have like a little ROV sort of setup mm-hmm. where you can like mock, go, like go down, like explore around the Titanic oh. and things like that. I know, like one of the things that surprised me so much is like uh, when I was in Belfast, you could like see the shipyard, yeah. like the cranes are still there, like the ones that they used to build yeah. the Titanic, and they were huge. I know, like it's like you just don't. I guess register like the hugeness of it because like you see it on TV or on like movies or in pictures and you know it's always like this like miniature thing but when you like see the cranes you're like oh my goodness like that's huge. What what uh, was there like a, another highlight from the like the Belfast Titanic area? I, I only had, my, <laughs> my, I, I'm I'm getting inside information. My parents are going to like oh, Ireland in like three weeks. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so uh, I really love Belfast and uh, I guess my other highlight they have this like thing and. Okay, there was like a lot of educational stuff. You could see what staterooms looked like and, you know, hear the stories of like the men who were building it and that kind of stuff. But they had this in there. It was like a ride <laughs> and you got on it. It like carried you through the shipyard, but like not like the legit shipyard. But like there was like, had like little simulators, like men working in the steel and like the noises and that kind of stuff. So I think that was like one of my favorite things. Um, I One of those things where you can sort of like close your eyes and picture yeah. yourself back like, uh, yeah. you know, almost 100 years ago, that exactly. sort of thing. Exactly. And I think, um, I guess that, uh, just chat about Ireland, you know, St. Patrick's Day coming up. But um, I feel like a lot of people, they go to like, you know, Ireland, Ireland, but they, uh, when it comes to Northern Ireland, especially like I told my grandmother and my mom and they're like, oh, you're going to Northern Ireland? Because like recently, you know, there still was conflict, like I'd say like what, like 20 years ago. So people still have like that really like nervous feeling. Yep. But I think that's really cool there. It's like kind of gritty and like it's not uh, overrun by tourists yet. I think there's like four hostels. <laughs> so yeah, it still has that sort of uh, unique feel. It hasn't be- become part of that uh, yeah. mainstream tourist market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I just like, I really love it. It's one of my favorite experiences that I've actually had. So uh, when people come on my show, uh, we usually like, we have like a flow of like things that we're like going to talk about. And I always tell my guests, uh, sometimes things go off on tangents. So yep. that is exactly uh, what happened. Yeah, I'd uh, you know conversational flow. Uh, I'd like to ask Chelsea as many questions as she'd like to ask me. I'm sure. But, uh. So I guess uh, this is like a funny thing about me. So I'm going to tell you a fun fact that you may not be aware of. So um, as a marketing person, most people don't think that I am actually a science student, biochem and biology. So for quite a while, my uh, 
See, yeah. look, the look, yeah. the look. Uh, <laughs> was uh, my dream job was going to be a salmon scientist. Okay, awesome. Um, from Miramichi, uh, the Miramichi yeah. River is like one of the most famous salmon fishing rivers in the world. Right now, we're facing some pretty significant stock declines, and yeah. I'm like really fascinated by them. And I did some courses in ocean sciences just to learn more. Uh, I was interested in aquaculture, but then uh, this is why I like the idea that you guys are doing experiential learning. Yeah. I went to. Uh, help count the brood stock, like the eggs. Okay, yeah. And I realized being a salmon scientist was not quite as glamorous as I had pictured it to be. So I like love like the lab portion, and I think that it's so important to get like kids out in the field so that they understand exactly like what they're going to be doing as well. Yep. So have you seen, uh, have kids like come and then, you know, maybe they weren't interested in, you know, ocean sciences or like working in that field, and then they, you know, go out and they're like, oh my God, I love being on the boat, I love like, yeah, for sure. So I, I think uh, I think we've we've found sort of both ends of that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, one from the interesting and engagement side. Yeah. Uh, frankly, we uh, we found that the hands-on experiential yeah. method in presenting science mm -hmm. uh, is great, specifically for kids who might and students who might not uh, do terribly well in a uh, classroom environment, yep. uh, for sure. So it gets them outside, it gives them something to focus on and be mm -hmm. hands-on. Uh, quite often, uh, they find themselves as leaders uh, in those situations yeah. uh, when they're in the field. Uh, on the other side, we're also experienced, you know, trying to connect them to that, to scientists yep. and to that breadth of what real scientific yep. activity is. Uh, so yes, there are highlights, you know, <laughs> you're, you're diving yep. and here's a beautiful wolf fish next to you. Yep. Uh, but there are also the times where, you know, you're centrifuging, uh, you know, algae in a lab <laughs> for, uh, you know, for eight hours straight. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think anybody says that's the highlight, but that, that, is, that, is, that is part of the role, yeah. uh, for sure. One of the, the interesting pieces of feedback uh, that I've sort of, so part of what we do is, is research on science education as well. Yeah. And... Uh, just anecdotally, we were looking at some of the uh, some of the research and surveys that we were getting back, and a lot of students were like, "Yes, you know exactly what you said. I love being out on the boat. <laughs> this is the you know the best field trip. I'm so excited." Mm -hmm. But uh, everybody answered no. Okay. So every when asked that question, everybody said no. I don't want to study ocean science <laughs> as a career. And when we dove deeper, we found out that it was just the word study. Because they were picturing, I don't want to have my nose in a book. Uh, I want to be hands-on. I yeah. want to be outside. Uh, so, yeah, it sort of, it really makes it important how you deliver that programming to students, for sure. Study. I know. And I think uh, at MUN especially, like, I think that their program is, like, I would say, like, probably one of the best in Canada, just for, like, I've experienced some of their courses. And I don't know if you know uh, Joe Rabluski, uh, but he was, like, made the course so fascinating. Um, I think I did fisheries resource management. Yep. And, you know, most people, when they think of, like, fisheries resource management, they're like, oh, like, numbers, like, and I hate math. I'm, like, I, I don't want to discourage anyone from, you know, liking math, but that's just not my thing. I'm not good at it. But with, uh, like, Microsoft Excel and, like, planning out, like, you know, seeing how different factors, like, affect stock migration and that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, he delivered it in a way that was, like, super fascinating. And I think that that was uh, really vital to me, for me, because I'm the kind of person that, you know, I am a study person. I like, like, reading the scientific journals more than I like hanging out in the lab. So I think that, uh, like you said, it's all about how you present it. It's all about how it's presented yeah. and, uh, and how it's applied, mm -hmm. uh, too. So that sheer discovery and inquiry-based learning 
uh, is a really important part. I think that's where the, the education system seems to be shifting a little bit yeah. uh, nowadays. And there was a, I was quite literally reading a, a recent study uh, this morning. Canada's not doing too bad, I think, but uh, just around general science uh, education and people saying, you know, that they don't trust scientists. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of the, the uh, directors from uh, 3M was saying we need to present science in a different fashion. Yep. Parents have, uh, you know, always say science is important for my child, yep. uh, but it's uh, it's not presented in the right way right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is uh, something that is, you know, because going into like your first year of university, so I'm like, if I'm finishing up in April, I'm at the end of my Bachelor of Science. And I think one of the things that's really discouraging is you get in and like that first year is like, introductory physics, introductory chemistry, like introductory calculus. Yep. I mean, you do, I guess, need to build those foundations, but if you're there and you're like, I just want to, you know, study whale migration patterns, yep. like that first year or year or two can be like really discouraging because you're not into, you know, what it is that you actually want to be yeah. studying. And, and, and that's the that's the key is that a lot of those courses mm -hmm. really are directly applicable to like even whale migration yep. studies. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really like as an undergrad or a high school student, yep. it's really difficult to make that link on your own. Yeah. So if you had a mentor or uh, you know a, a scientist yep. that you could connect with yep. and, and talk talk yep. about that, talk about how they got into the field, yep. why they got mm -hmm. into the field. Uh, that I think is a really key piece mm -hmm. because a, a lot of studies on, on whale migration, uh, you know, on the uh, success of marine protected areas, yep. uh, all of that dives back okay. into into mapping technologies, into uh, being able to you know create your own, you know, alter your software yep. so it's uh, monitoring those uh, mm -hmm. those things appropriately, and that all dials back into like the physics and, and math. Uh, side of things like if you want to you know design uh, remote operated vehicles mm -hmm. or autonomous vehicles to uh, monitor icebergs uh, then you know like that's you need those science you need that science background <laughs> but it's not as always as direct link because uh, yep. the courses themselves don't focus on the application of what you're learning exactly right? and it's funny too because uh, just like you mentioned bringing, or brought up the uh, marine protected areas and another thing too is uh, last year I actually did like some research as my term project into I guess the decline of the salmon in the Miramichi watershed yeah, system yeah. and uh, one of the things that you know we even saw just with like uh, like monitoring the stock populations and like how much uh, how, how many there were and how many were being caught is as soon as they declared that uh, exclusive economic zone in Canada like the population and stock like just like shot up over like the next few years and I think that that's like something something really interesting to look at and I know being in Joe's class um, with the Northern Cod him and his graduate student actually developed a formula uh, to predict when they were returning and you know a lot of people were like hey you know that's not true, like they're never coming back, blah, blah, blah. But now we're seeing like that increase, which I think is really awesome. And it really goes to show the importance of marine science. Yep. Yeah, it's not, and it's the importance of the marine science, but it's also the importance of that science communication yes. uh, side of things as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Bob Gregory and his team with, yep. uh, with DFO have been monitoring uh, juvenile cod habitat mm -hmm. in Newman Sound in Terranova yep. for, I think, over 20 mm -hmm. years. 
And uh, a big part of what they do is they almost always make sure they interact with the community, mm -hmm. uh, interact with the students. So you get that shared ownership yep. and stewardship and also understanding and spark that interest yep. uh, in, in students. And that's how we keep more people employed in ocean yep. sciences and interested in ocean sciences mm -hmm. in Newfoundland in the long term. Yeah. I know like with uh, where I'm from in Miramichi, one of the projects that they're working on right now and it's just like to me I find it's just so amazing so like one of the things that they're attributing the decline of the Atlantic salmon in our watershed system to is the fact that over the past few years I think it was partially due to like damming off rivers we have a extensive population of striped bass yep. so they you know they were always in our river system but not necessarily at the levels that they're at now so they're thinking that they're uh, eating smolts so they are doing a pilot project to grow the smolts from you know small size to like big size and then releasing them rather than you know just growing the eggs into like little baby fish and then letting them letting them go into the ocean so i think that's like pretty cool yeah for sure you can really do some uh good uh, applied work and uh like it just goes to show like the the impact that we can have when, when we focus on solving a problem yeah exactly so you said uh you know when you sent me your bio you worked in toronto for a, quite a while before yep. you uh wound up working, uh, we're moving back to here. So tell us like a little bit about that move, what you were doing there and you know, the difference that you've seen since moving back here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, my, uh, my my partner moved to, moved to Toronto and, yeah. uh, to pursue her PhD. And uh, I, I, followed, I followed her up to <laughs> pursue my uh, graduate work uh, at Ryerson. And, uh, and while I was there, uh, so that was really the impetus of the move was yep. to go stay up for a couple of years, come back yeah. here to the ocean. Uh, that's my, you know, my yep. science background and, yep. and things like that. Uh, and then when I got up there, I was lucky enough to start working with uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op. Yes, uh, yeah, so that really helped. And I, I stayed with those guys for almost 10, I think over 10 years, yep. actually. Uh, and it uh, was it really sparked my interest sort of in two areas. So one being I was always into the outdoors, as you might, yep. as you as, as a lot of Newfoundlanders are, yep. it's, you know, it's sort of baked into <laughs> us. Uh, and so it sparked my knowledge there and on sort of also on sort of like an adult education front yep. getting people involved and outside uh, similar to the ex experiential learning that you know we do here with uh, with students in ocean science uh, and then on the other side you know from a from a people management and yep. culture management perspective uh, it was just a, such a, a great organization yep. to, to work with uh, and you know we're here at Common Grounds uh, today, which is also a wonderful uh, workplace culture. Yeah. So if you're, uh, you know, if if you're working by yourself somewhere and you're, you know, you're you're self-employed, uh, I'm gonna put a plug in for Common Grounds oh, and say totally. come down here and yeah. hang out with us because it's uh, uh, culture is important in your success. And you wanna know what you say that, and you know one of the things that like working at Common Ground that I've you know seen is. Um, so, like I said, I have like a pretty diverse set of interests, but you know, uh, if I want to talk to someone about like event planning, I can like go find someone pretty easily or marketing. Or if you know, I'm like feeling scientific that day, then I can like chat with David or I can chat with Susan Batcher Consulting uh, about oceans and sciences. And I think that it's just like, there's such a diverse group of people that it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah it's funny how many people, uh, how many people you find like tied together. 
Uh, and I, I found that even you know being away for ten years and sort of coming yep. coming home, uh, you know, so many people are still like sort of in that same field. Every yep. every time I walk into you know a large meeting room, there's always a familiar face at the table. <laughs> I'm always connecting with some you know getting. I got yep. kicked out of the meeting room here the other day by uh, by by Keith Mercer, who's like you know helping plan a coastal zone Canada yep. uh, <laughs> conference, and you know he he taught me in my you know in yep. my my undergraduate graduate years. Yep. Uh, so, so it's always, uh, always those links are important to sort of keep alive. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a, it's unique to Newfoundland to some yep. extent. Uh, the amount of expertise we have here and the amount of just deep ingrained relationships yep. from a community perspective, mm-hmm. uh, both around the ocean and uh, just in general. It's, you know, you can go to Toronto <laughs> and get lost in the crowd yep. for sure. You can get lost in the crowd, mm-hmm. and there are there are some good parts about that. Uh, but uh, even you know, even amongst a thousand people, uh, eventually you stop. Go- One of the things, I, key differences I noticed was, uh, eventually I stopped looking around for people I knew. <laughs> Whereas, like in Newfoundland, yeah. when you go, like I'm, go- like you go to a cycling event or a yeah. concert or something, like you walk in the door yeah. and you're sort of doing like, is there anyone here I know? I, <laughs> I like, know, I, want- right? I-, I wonder yeah. if anybody in this crowd of five thousand people at the basketball game, yeah. I'm going to bump into somebody I know. I know, and you, I know what I always find is yeah. I always think of that at the airport. Yeah. And not only that, I think of it like, so a couple weeks ago, I had gone back to New Brunswick and I was flying back and I was in Halifax and I was like, I'm surprised that I haven't run into someone that I know yet. Because I was like, pretty much every time I like make a trip home, I always like run into someone I know, yeah. like they're flying with me on the plane. So when I flew back in January, um, my friend Luke, who's in the band Rough Hands, uh, I was just like, hey, like, what are you doing? He's like, flying back to Newfoundland. And I'm like... Me too. Yep. And then I uh, was just sitting there and I was having this experience where I was like, I haven't run into anyone I know. Like, this is unusual. Like, this hasn't happened to me since, like, my first year of university here. And then I actually ran into Gabby Payton, who was, like, one of our previous yeah. podcast guests. Just, like, turned around. I had actually texted her, like, five minutes before that. And I turned around and her and her boyfriend were just sitting there, like, or her husband were just, like, sitting there waiting to fly, fly back here. So I think that it's uh, really, like, a unique, unique it, it, thing. It is. It's, it's a terribly unique thing. And it's... Uh, also, the like the islands, the what I call the island mentality yeah. is very unique as well. Yeah. That uh, that tight, it, it creates a, a tight knit sense mm-hmm. uh, that you just uh, you don't get uh, other places. And it's funny, mm-hmm. I messaged a couple of people uh, today, and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm going to do a podcast with David Tipton today. We're going to be chatting about like you know the ocean sciences and that kind of stuff. And they were like, oh my god, we know him! Like, can't wait to tune in. So uh, I guess uh, you're pretty well. Well, recognized in the scientific uh, community. Well, I'm very, very lucky to be part of an organization yeah. that is, you know, partnership uh, yeah. based, uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, my, my my days are, are largely connecting <laughs> are connecting with other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my morning this morning, I was uh, you know connecting with a classroom in Hermitage, yeah. uh, down on the Canagra Peninsula. Uh, so. Now, uh, now everybody in that class hopefully will uh, will take part in a in a yep. uh, or apply for a summer internship we're offering, and then that will continue to spark their interest in in ocean careers as and well. And I know what's uh, really cool too is uh, I guess to the Atlantic province specifically, they just announced like I don't know how much funding it was for the ocean supercluster. So I'm super excited to see how like these companies that you're talking about, you know, the best underwater camera mm-hmm. or uh, Ocean Learning Partnership or like all of these like ocean based companies, how they're going to develop over the next few years. I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up actually because it's uh, it's a really important point for Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the Atlantic, so uh, for those of you who don't know about 
$950 million uh, has been uh, earmarked for five super super industry super yep. clusters across the uh, across the country. Uh, the Atlantic provinces all came together on a an oceans uh, based super uh, super cluster mm -hmm. around oceans technology, and uh, so that money will come out over five uh, five year cycle. Mm -hmm. Right now, industry is pulling together a board to figure out how they're going to uh, distribute yeah. uh, distribute that money uh, but or invest that money really uh, but really what it's done is it's brought a significant sense of optimism yeah. to the ocean technology uh, sector mm -hmm. in, and that includes future careers for students in, in ocean technology uh, it creates it, it opens the door for entrepreneurs in ocean mm -hmm. technology. It opens the door to additional, frankly, additional funding yeah. in, in ocean technology. I was actually I was having this conversation with uh, with Matt Steinbeck. Yeah. Uh, so we we had a, had a meeting on an app we're developing down at Atlantic Place, and we were yeah. sort of like you know walked him back to his house, <laughs> uh, like uh, you know uh, like I should, yeah. and uh, and we were having this this exact discussion, and it's it's part of bringing every, the really unique part here is that everybody is working together from all of the different Atlantic provinces yeah. on this same initiative. Yeah. Uh, and if we're going to position ourselves as a strong technology hub or a strong ocean technology mm -hmm. or ocean science hub, mm -hmm. uh, we really have to have get in the headspace of championing each other. Yes. Uh, so championing <clears throat> what's happening, you know, mm -hmm. at the Ocean Frontier Institute in Halifax. Yeah. And uh, what's happening, uh, you know, at, at MUN, you know, at the from in, in an innovation standpoint, from uh, what's happening at the Ocean Science Center, mm -hmm. uh, the different tech companies and Ocean's tech companies uh, that are members of, of Ocean's Advance. We really need to be cha championing each other uh, yeah. because large funders and large industry contributors nationally and uh, internationally really need to, when they look at Newfoundland, they need to see that uh, the, the staffing is there, the, yep. the knowledge base is there, uh, that you know, we're not a one-of organization or we're not a one-of uh, industry uh, representative, uh, but we're part of a larger network uh, that has the skill set, that has the facilities and, uh, and the capacity uh, to be able to grow and it's something they should invest in. And, uh, you know, saying that, that's like one of my huge, I guess, like life mottos is, you know, community slash collaboration yeah. over competition. And I think that, you know, so I guess like a thing is I worked or not worked, I was on the Center for Entrepreneurship and they were like, no one wants to steal your idea. Like, yeah. you know, you give this idea out, but, you know, if I said I'm going to teach kids how to, you know, go out and pick, I don't know, buy valves up off the shore. Yeah. Uh, you know, that might sound similar on paper to like what Ocean Learning Partnership is doing, you know, yep. encouraging kids to get out onto the, the ocean, but in execution, they turn out to be like totally different ideas. And I think that, uh, you know, it's starting to get better, but there's always been like this secrecy and reluctance in entrepreneurship and, you know, to share, to share like what you're feeling, what's going on. And I really like that, you know, as a community, the oceans, ocean sciences community and technology and all that have been championing, championing each other. I think that's like a good example to set for you know the rest of the yeah, community. Yeah, and it's you know it's important to you know as an organization or or personally yep. to you know figure out what your personal goals are. Yep. As well, like if if your goals are ocean science education, 
for K to experiential ocean science education for K to twelve, as you know, as it's part of the goal of Ocean Learning Partnership, then certainly we're going to champion any anybody who's helping make that happen. <laughs> we're going to want to work together with anybody who's helping yeah. uh, make that happen and helping push those goals forward. And uh, sometimes. It's a slow process because you, you need to build partnerships and you need to make sure that all of your goals are aligned uh, for sure and that uh, you know strategically it makes sense for everybody. Uh, and, but those conversations uh, I, I find are, are always great. Uh, it's not always the right time for everybody, yeah. uh, but that, uh, that certainly doesn't mean that, that the door closes uh, as long as we continue to work uh, together or you know both work down that same path. <laughs> Uh, then our paths will cross eventually. That's the way I, I sort of look at it. So speaking of paths, yep. uh, one of the other things that I really love about David is uh, he has an amazing Instagram account, uh, East Coast Hikes, where he shares his uh, hiking experiences along the coast of Newfoundland. So what's your favorite trail to uh, enjoy? Uh, I, I, I have a place in my heart for, uh, for the spout hike. Okay, uh, I've always wanted to do it, but yeah. I don't know. I've heard bad things. Well, good things, but like, yeah, no, like I, you'll die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I've had both of those experiences. Uh, so, so there's a place in my heart there that was, uh, I think, the first uh, week myself, myself yeah. and my partner Dana have been together for, I don't know, over 15 years. Yeah. Or almost 15 years, one of those two. And uh, one of the very first weeks we were together, we went on a, on a hike on that trail, uh, and she fell and uh, broke her nose, and it just was <laughs> just just the bloodiest mess that you that you can imagine, yeah. and just handled it like a champ, and we've been sort of madly in love ever since. <laughs> uh, so that trail will always hold a, a piece in my heart. Uh, but uh, on the on the other side of that, I've also taken people, and yep. it's been. Uh, foggy and you can't see uh, 10 feet outside but that's a great trail the uh, the the Spurwink trail yep. is absolutely phenomenal uh, Cape Cape Royal is oh, is, yeah, is a really great trail uh, again a tough trail okay <laughs> uh, last time we were out on that trail we got up on a cliff and we're able to see two humpbacks feeding on Cape Lynn for I would say a full hour and, it, wow. and it's I've spent a lot of time around the ocean but this was the first time that I was able to see down. So you could see their, their full silhouettes. Uh, you could see their, their sort of their white fins and they were sort of interacting. They come and sweep the beach and they come back out and, and you could watch them absolutely uh, perfectly. If you're looking for like an intro trail uh, on the East Coast Trail, I find the, uh, the Cape Spear Trail uh, is wonderful or Bay Bulls back and forth in and out to the lighthouse. Uh, is wonderful uh, as well. <laughs> I'll keep those I, intro ones in mind. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you never know what you might find. I've yeah. seen everything from humpbacks to bald eagles uh, to forest fires, mm -hmm. uh, like literally like coming across and an area is completely charred and like still hot. Oh my goodness. Uh, from a lightning strike, I think the, the day before. And I, we've seen like enormous ocean sunfish. Uh, okay. So if you don't know ocean sunfish, they're sort of like, they look like the head of a fish sort of sideways <laughs> in the water. Uh, sort of just floating offshore, not something that you always see here, uh, certainly, but uh, but you never know what you're going to see. Every trail is different. So as we finish off every podcast, we get you to draw a couple questions. So they're pretty uh, pretty basic, you know, no specialized knowledge required. Yep. So if you uh, want to pick a couple from the Jar of Awesome. Okay, I'm going to get down to the bottom and get this green one for okay. St. Patty's Day. Oh, sorry. Yep. What is the best piece of advice you have ever gotten? 
Ooh, okay. Uh, the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. That's a tough one. Uh, some of them are like really flimsy and easy, and some of them are uh, getting a little yep. deep. Some some of them are uh, are definitely uh, pretty deep. Uh, I don't know if I've had a best piece of of singular advice. I guess a great piece or a good. But piece. Uh, yeah, a, a good piece that that's you know I always try to uh, sort of take away is uh, that my uh, my my manager at MEC sort of. Uh, you know, what once told me was uh, to make sure that like you're always putting yourself in uh, in someone else. So you know, you, you don't know what's happening with people day to day. Some people are are very happy when they sort of you know come across to you. Uh, but you know what? If somebody's having a bad day, that's okay. That's like that's not on you. Not everybody's always going to have a good day. All you can do is try to make their day better. Exactly. That's really uh, so, uh, so if you're getting frustrated with an interaction you're having with somebody, uh, just step back for a second, take a breath, and go, okay, <laughs> is there anything I can do to make their day better? Because they're not having a great one right now. Uh, and that, uh, that, I think, ultimately sort of led to a lot of success in my retail career and also in my education career as well. I think that that's a really great piece. Yeah. So you can pick out a second one there. Oops, sorry. I'm gonna... yeah. Okay, so this one is from Kelsey Lee Hubley, who is on Instagram. What Hi, Kelsey. <laughs> what motivates you when you're feeling discouraged? Ooh, uh, um, I'm almost going to uh, pull it back to that. I was going to pull back the same thing, but that's not true. Uh, what motivates me when I'm feeling discouraged is surrounding myself with inspirational people. And uh, I, I'm not a natural extrovert, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. You know, I, I get my energy from like when I'm outside all day long with people. I have to like you know sort of like refocus and go like oh like I, I, I need some downtime. Yeah. But uh, really, surrounding yourself with with people who inspire you uh, is what has always motivated me. I've been ex I've been extremely lucky, extremely mm -hmm. lucky in that in that category. Um, throughout my life, uh, both personally and uh, and at work, to really uh, be around people who uh, put themselves out there, take the time to to help others, uh, and are continue continue to be resilient. So people who are resilient and move through difficult situations make the best out of it. Because uh, when you see other people being able to do that, uh, it really it really helps uh, focus me uh, personally. Yeah. I am totally agreeing with that advice. Your tribe equals your vibe. Yep. <laughs> so thanks everyone for tuning in. And next week we're gonna have Chrissy Rossiter from Peachy. And you know, if you're listening on YouTube or uh, on an iTunes store, be sure to hit subscribe and we'll see you next week. Thanks guys.